This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of July the 3rd, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. The healthcare industry in America is on the precipice of its biggest change, at least since the passage of Obamacare 13 years ago. Passed just last summer, the Inflation Reduction Act has given Medicare the green light to negotiate the prices of some drugs for its 60 million some recipients. The program is expected to save patients many billions of dollars, while significantly shrinking revenue for some pharmaceutical firms. Indianapolis-based Eli Lilly and Company is intensely concerned about this development. Two of its most popular medicines are expected to be among the first 40 drugs subject to negotiations. Lilly CEO David Ricks has gone on the record in public forums criticizing the new law for what he anticipates will be a chilling effect on the development of certain types of drugs. In fact, he told investors at a webinar hosted by investment bank J.P. Morgan in June that the law has already caused Lilly to lower priority on several experimental drugs, although he didn't name them. Meanwhile, other big players in the pharma industry are trying to squash the negotiations altogether. Two have sued the Biden administration, asking a federal judge to declare the program unconstitutional. IBJ reporter John Russell has been studying the program for a story that's on the front page of the latest issue of IBJ. In this week's edition of the podcast, we discuss the program's potential effects on patients, drug makers, and the rest of the healthcare industry, as well as the objections from Eli Lilly and company. Here's our conversation. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, John Russell, who covers healthcare and life sciences for IBJ, among other topics. John, thanks for making time today. Always good to be here. Uh, so I am not a Medicare guy. I got another 10 years to go. So let me let me just try to spell this out to make sure I get it. As part of the Inflation Reduction Act, the Medicare program will be able to negotiate with drug makers how much Medicare recipients pay for some medicines. Correct? Right. Uh, the way you say it is, is, you know, pretty straightforward and declarative, but it's so much bigger than how it just sounded. It is a huge, huge <laughs> shift in healthcare policy and a major watershed moment for drug makers, patients, and taxpayers. So th this has never been the case before. Medicare has never been able to do this and negotiate drug prices. Well, not at least since for about 20 years since Congress passed Medicare Plan D, Part D, excuse me, which was a drug benefit for seniors. Part of the language in that bill was that Medicare could not negotiate. It expressly forbid Medicare from negotiating prices with the drug makers. That bill was passed by Congress with the support of the drug industry and President George W. Bush. Yeah, so obviously the pharmaceutical industry would view this as a giant defeat. Humongous defeat, m massive defeat. In fact, it's so big, they've already started filing lawsuits to try to stop it, try to get injunctions. They're waging a major counteroffensive and taking to national broadcasts, to newspaper advertisements, uh, lawsuits. They, they, they want to 
stop this thing. So again, let me get some of the nuts and bolts here. Medicare covers more than 3,500 prescription drugs. How many of them will be the subject of negotiations under this law? It's going to start in baby steps, very small. And we can get to the timing in a moment, but it'll roll out initially over three years. In the first year, it'll be 10 drugs that will be affected. The second year, 15. The third year, 15. So that's 40 drugs out of what did you say? 3,500. 500. <laughs> yeah. That will be affected initially. And that's just sort of the you know, way you do big government programs. You start small and you try and do it a certain way in a pilot program and then build over time. The 40 that, that they've chosen, or have they even, they haven't even chosen them yet, have they? They haven't. Have, they, have they said what, what will distinguish these 40, though, from uh you know the rest of the group right it's a it's a complicated thing these will mostly be older drugs they'll be drugs that con- there's a there's a list of the things that they're going to look at in criteria to pick these 10 drugs the first year and there'll likely be drugs that medicare spends a bunch of money for so the top drugs for you know cancer and blood thinners and other things, and by the way, these drugs are for Medicare patients, so they're going to be for things that mostly affect older people, older people's diseases. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, Potential so, morbidity, yeah. Right. Diseases, yeah. So it'll be the big ticket drugs. It'll be drugs that have been on the market for a certain number of years, and that's a whole different <laughs> complicating factor <laughs> that, uh, that we can talk about in a minute that the drug makers are in a little bit of a lather about, and it'll be drugs that there are no generic or biosimilar for. Okay. So one particular drug that has pretty much cornered the market on that particular uh, malady. Right. Right. So Medicare says it's going to be holding hearings and taking input from everybody and anybody who cares about this. And it'll be looking at which drugs fit this description. However, a lot of people have already started doing an analysis or, you know, guessing games of which drugs will be included. And uh, among them, for the first year, several studies which have been published in leading health journals have identified certain drugs. And one of them is, you know, because our interests, one of our interests in this story is the fact that Eli Lilly is based here in Indy. One of the drugs the first year could be Jardians, which is a drug primarily for diabetes. I think in your story, you mentioned uh, the possibility that Trulicity, another Lilly drug, uh, which has, I mean, something along the lines of $7 billion in sales a year, might be in that top 40. Right. It's a it's Lilly's bestseller. $7 billion a year is a lot of money for that drug company, which... Uh, you know, supports thousands of jobs here in Indy. And so Trulicity is on the list, some people's list, for year three. You know, this is sort of reminds me of the NBA draft. <laughs> They're sort of trying to figure out which which uh, are the, you know, the top prospects to go when. Right. I mean, so you're thinking, you know, what will this, how will this shake out for Trulicity and for Patience and for Lily? I mean, how far can Medicare 
push down the price uh, of a product. I do want to go back real quick and underline, again, the scope of this. When we're talking about people who get Medicare, right? Six Folks 65 and over, it's a federal program. Uh, it also includes maybe some people with disabilities who are younger than that. But that is something like 60 million people. So a lot of people and older people take a lot of pills uh, for a lot of disorders. So the other part of this is that Medicare is the biggest player by far, the biggest purchaser of pharmaceutical drugs. And what they pay for each drug usually sets the market for what other people will pay, um, you and me, uh, since we're not on Medicare yet. So, you know, this could have a bigger effect than just 10 drugs for Medicare patients. It could be a game changer for the entire market. Yeah, that was one of my questions. So if I'm not in Medicare, do I just, am I going to pay what I've always paid or whatever, you know, price has been negotiated between my insurer and the drug companies or, yeah, or might this have an effect on what I pay? That's a real good question. I think we're all looking closely to see how this how this, how this goes, I don't have an answer. I don't know if anyone has an answer. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm, with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ podcast and our conversation with IBJ's John Russell about the potential effects of a new law that allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices. So we mentioned uh, Eli Lilly and Company. Obviously, uh, you know, Indianapolis is, is known as the town that Lilly built that has a massive influence uh, and has over, I mean, more than 100 years in the construction of the city philanthropically. Lily has a huge influence uh, and impact in central Indiana and across the state uh, through the Lilly Endowment, which is funded uh, primarily through Lilly stock. So, I mean, as as Lilly does, so does the endowment of the Lilly Endowment. Uh, so we care. We care uh, what Lilly has to say about this and how what Lilly says it might affect them. CEO Dave Ricks, uh, as you mentioned in your story, in at least a couple of public forums, has commented about his concerns about the law. So what, in essence, is Rick's saying uh, we should be concerned about? So he says that Lilly supports the law overall because there are lots of good parts of this law. It affects many more things than just Medicare, the Inflation Reduction Act does. But even in terms of the Medicare plan, he supports some parts of that, including the that it will cap out-of-pocket expenses for Medicare patients on drugs at $2,000 a year. A lot of times, Medicare people are on low incomes, uh, fixed incomes, and can't afford the rising price of drugs. So Lilly says they support that kind of a cap. What they don't like is the fact that there's a two-tier system for which kind of drugs 
will be negotiated. There's, and this is where it gets a little complicated. There's the chemical drugs, and then there's something called the biologic drugs. Now, chemical drugs, if you want to get into that for a moment, is are most of what you see in pill bottles. They're, you know, chemically synthesized pills or capsules. They make up 90% of what we, uh, what is sold and consumed uh, for diseases. So chemical drugs must have been on the market for at least nine years uh, to be able to be negotiated. Biologic drugs, which are the newer type of high, you know, the high tech drugs made, which are derived from living organisms, proteins and so forth, um, they'll have to have been on the market for 13 years. So what Dave Ricks is saying is, why does why do the biologic drugs, which make up a smaller group of overall pharmaceuticals, have more, more protection than chemical drugs, which make up almost you know ninety percent? Uh, he thinks they should be have equal number of years protection. We have some audio from an interview that Dave Ricks gave on CNBC in mid June. Let's take a listen. Yesterday, Biogen CEO Chris Rebucker said it's not a negotiation because essentially you have to take the price or leave it or they're going to fine you if you don't accept it. Yeah, I agree with that analysis. I think there's several defects with this law. Um, that's one of them, which is it's called a negotiation. But first of all, we already negotiate for almost all access in Medicare. We just do it with third parties like CVS United Healthcare. By the way, they do a great job. Our prices are way lower in Medicare than they are in the commercial market. So um, there already is negotiation. The government wants to step into that and, and play a bigger role. Um, that's a problem because it's not actually negotiation. You have to take it or leave it, what their price is. That's not how I think of a business negotiation. But the biggest problem is actually when they propose to negotiate, which is on for pills or small molecules, right. as we say, as early as nine years into a 20-year patent life. Maybe we don't need a full 20 years, but boy, that's going to really truncate investment in what is one of the most efficient parts of healthcare, which is small molecule pills that people can take to cure a previously incurable disease. And once they go generic, they become incredibly cheap. The U.S. has the cheapest generic prices in the world. That's how drugs in healthcare remain sustainable in the U.S. We'll get fewer of them because investors are already saying to me, why would you invest in any new small molecules? Just focus on biologics. They get 13 years before negotiation, air quotes, on negotiation. So um, work to do to improve this bill. I, I'm really worried about the harm it's going to do. Why would the company invest billions of dollars in a new drug if it's not going to get as much many years of you know protection from this negotiation as a different kind of drug? So he's saying, let's, let's have a, a level field for both groups of drugs. Okay. So he's saying that it disincentivizes that first group. Right. To the point where he has already said in public that Lilly has pulled three chemical drugs that were in the pipeline, uh, out of the pipeline and put them on the shelf because they just weren't going to be um, you know, as profitable for the company or for investors and shareholders. Now, he hasn't named the drugs and he hasn't said how far the advanced they were in the pipeline. Who knows if there was there were going to be big sellers or to treat important diseases, but companies are already responding to this, 
you know, part of the law, which gives certain kinds of drugs more protection than others from the upcoming Medicare negotiations that will lower the price and the return uh, on this. This sounds a little bit like the argument that I think we always hear from pharmaceutical companies when someone proposes some sort of cost control on drugs is that it will stifle innovation somehow. uh, It'll be like shooting ourselves in the foot because drug companies won't then be able to uh, develop all the great things that they want, want to put in their pipelines that can uh, help us as medicines. It does. Yeah, that's a familiar argument. Uh, you hear it year in and year out. And it's probably a legitimate argument to some extent. But from the patient's point of view and from the taxpayer's point of view, you know, they've been crying out for relief for years and years from the rising cost of drugs. Americans pay almost three times as much on average for pharmaceutical drugs as the rest of the world. And uh, Democrats under Joe Biden administration in Congress have been pushing for this and finally got it passed last year. They point out that the drug industry can well afford this and that innovation will continue marching onward. They point out that the pharmaceutical drug industry had revenues of trillions of dollars a year and profit margins of nearly 20 percent and that they should just, you know, play nice, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming that that Dave Ricks has not gone into any detail about how this uh, potentially could affect the company's revenue or the company's profitability or returns for shareholders. But it probably will have a fill in the blank. What kind of impact? Yeah, no, he hasn't said the company hasn't given any guidance on this that I'm aware of. Again, we don't know how much Medicare will be able to pull down the price of drugs. I mean, the drug industry is saying they're going to Medicare is going to dictate the price of drugs. They're the 800 pound gorilla as the biggest buyer of drugs in the world. Um, will they be able to get a drug that normally sells for, you know, $500 a month, will they get that down to $100, $90, $80, $5? What's the price? What's a fair price? And I mean, we're all waiting to see what that number is going to be and how that will, how much savings that will bring for patients and how much of a hit that will bring for drug makers. The Congressional Budget Office has estimated that it will save people $100 billion over the next 10 years. So it's a big number. I've been trying to imagine in my head what this negotiation would look like. I mean, it's not like me trying to negotiate, like selling my bicycle to my next door neighbor. I assume they just get like 80 guys and gals in the legal profession. And, and what? They just sit there and, and argue for a while and, and then start throwing out numbers? What it, does that look like? I mean, it's a whole new world. We haven't seen it. We don't know. Um, the drug industry is... Fearful, they say it's not going to be a fair fight. It's not going to be a normal negotiation, and that's what they say in their lawsuits. Um, two major drug companies have filed lawsuits. So has the Drug Industry Trade Association, with a few other health groups, saying it's just going to turn things on their head, and it's not fair to an industry that has done so much to bring out innovative medicines and, you know, improve the health of mankind, you know. So, I mean, they're painting a very bleak picture. So there are two lawsuits 
brought by two large drug makers, Merck and uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb, as well as a another lawsuit. So this would be the third one that was filed last week by, um, by the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers Association, which is a trade group that represents most of the big drug makers, and that Dave Ricks was chairman of that group uh, a few years ago. And they laid out a lengthy complaint about how this is unconstitutional or unfair. So also filing a suit was the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. So business groups are piling in too. Um, it, it will be interesting to follow this along in federal court. I'd like to see if some patient groups you know, uh, are, are standing by ready to do anything in court if, if the tide starts to turn. Is, is this something where they could ask for an injunction on the, uh, the, the process of negotiation or is, are we, is it too soon to tell? No, they are asking for that. They specifically are. The judge hasn't ruled up. It's a brand new suit. It's going to take some weeks or months for the judge to go through the whole thing and, you know, it, it, it probably is something that's going to have to wrap up before this process takes effect. So we haven't talked about the timetable. So Medicare will start this fall by September, probably, um, naming these drugs in the first round, which will take effect in 2026. And then, you know, each of the following years. So it's not happening, you know, tomorrow or next week. Uh, these things take a lot of time. So injunction could happen, you know, next week, temporary one anyway, or the whole thing could just, you know, go its slow, merry way as a lot of federal lawsuits do. I guess the last thing I would say is uh, it may seem like a small thing, but it's not. It's anything but small. I would say this is the most important policy moment in U.S. healthcare since the Affordable Care Act took place in 2010. This is going to change everything. It could ripple across the entire industry. It could change the way drug makers pick winners and losers in their pipeline. It could save money for people who are who don't have enough money to buy their drugs and are not adhering to their physicians' orders for their treatment and are, or are splitting pills. So everybody is watching this. It's huge. And this is not going to be the last story we write about it. All right. Well, let's check in uh, maybe September. We'll see what happens. Thanks, Mason. Thank you. My thanks again to John Russell. As a postscript, I wanted to mention that Eli Lilly and company declined to make David Ricks or any other senior executive available to comment for John's story. The company did issue a statement, which is very similar to what we've discussed. Quote, Lilly supports provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act that bring financial relief for many seniors, including the cap on out-of-pocket costs at $2,000 per year and the $35 monthly cap on insulin, which Lilly first pioneered. However, we are concerned with other provisions that will have a detrimental effect on biopharmaceutical innovation and patient access. In particular, the law allows Medicare to set prices at nine years for small molecule medicines compared with 13 years for large molecule biologics. This disparity has no scientific or policy rationale and will disincentivize small molecule drug discovery 
in favor of other drug platforms. Small molecule medicines play an important part in treating cancer, neurological conditions, and many other diseases, and are historically less expensive than biologics. Lilly believes that, at a minimum, the Inflation Reduction Act should be improved by creating parity at 13 years for both small and large molecule medicines, which will lead to the benefit of patients. End quote. You can read more about the Medicare battle in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at IBJ.com. And there are some other stories in the issue that I want to bring to your attention. First up, Susan Orr reports that Indianapolis-based Noble Romans is battling with one of its largest shareholders over whether its CEO should be replaced on the restaurant company's board of directors. And Daniel Bradley previews the plan for a split-level roundabout at one of the busiest intersections in Hamilton County. And again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at IBJ.com. And thank you again for making time for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>